What does your list look like this year? Of course, there is a Christmas budget. How much are you going to spend on gifts? Some of you may have already decorated or are still planning on it and trimming the tree. Probably considering how many gatherings, how many social functions you'll be involved in. Maybe when the kids will be home from school and how your plans revolve around that. And of course, you have the the trimming and the laying out of the palm branches as well, the Christmas tradition. Nobody probably has that Christmas tradition of cutting and laying out palm branches, right? Which, Which is probably why the gospel for today sounded a little bit odd, a little bit awkward. Even though Luke is the one gospel writer that actually doesn't even mention palm branches in his account of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, you might wonder what that event... And indeed, what palm branches have to do with Christmas? Well, in fact, actually have maybe more to do with it than you might realize. If we keep in mind that Advent is not merely this getting ready for Christmas season, it's, it's not merely the precursor, not just rolling out the red carpet to give us some time to prepare and get ready for Christmas. But the season of Advent is really focusing on how our Savior Jesus has come and comes to us. Yes, how he first came in Bethlehem, but still how he continues to come to us in the present through his word, through his sacraments. Finally and ultimately, how he will come to us again on that last day, not in the same humility that he did the first time in Bethlehem, but in all glory, surrounded by trumpet sounds and angels coming to take those who are his to be home with him. That's really the the season of Advent and and what it is all about. And keeping that in mind will help us have a a proper perspective throughout this season of Advent as we consider waiting, as we just mentioned, and, and how hard that can sometimes be. But waiting has always been what God's people have done. They waited for generation after generation until Jesus was born. And then Jesus was born. And and even when Jesus was born, there was still waiting. It wasn't clear to everybody at his birth why he had come. Some, many knew that he was the one, but they didn't know really what that meant until some 30 years later in his life in the accounts that, that we have recorded for us in the gospel as he entered into Jerusalem. Even then, at the beginning of the week, people weren't clear as to why he came. That didn't become clear until the end of the week. Then it started to make sense. Then it was obvious why he came. He came for the cross. Not for an earthly crown. Not for Pilate's palace. Not for an earthly empire. He came for the cross. He came to die. And while that may not be the theme of many Christmas songs for the next couple of weeks, it's really important for us to keep that connection between Bethlehem and Jerusalem. Really important for us to keep that connection between what happened on the day of Jesus' birth and what happened on Good Friday. That Jesus came into this world on Christmas to die. That was his purpose. And when we fail to make that connection, do not be surprised when your expectations for Christmas are not met. 
only so long as we remember why Christmas mattered so much. Will Christmas then meet and, yes, possibly exceed our expectations? Speaking of which, have you even stopped yet to, to think, to, to focus on what are your expectations for the next several weeks or for this Christmas? Isn't it so often true that really we don't ponder and, and stop and, and think what we expect or hope or want for the next several weeks? We just kind of get caught up in all of it. The, the, as if the only goal is to make sure that we don't miss an event or a function, to make sure that we are adequately prepared for everything so we, we don't get caught unexpectedly. Our schedules are so busy and, and we move from one thing to the next as if that's the goal of this time of year. And we convince ourselves that we don't have any choice but just to, to keep up with all the busyness and all the, the craziness. But that's simply not the case. You, you do have a choice. You are the one who gets to set the priorities. You are the one who gets to determine what is your expectation for this Advent, for, for this Christmas. What do I want this year to be like? Where do I want to focus my attention? To not believe the lie that, that you have to get caught up in the commercialism of the secular world or that fear of, of missing out that the secular world somehow knows how to celebrate Christmas better than the church. As if there's more out there than, than in here for us. And if we get caught up into that, we, we forget that we are the ones who set those expectations. And my prayer throughout this series, starting today, is that we recognize the importance and the value of approaching this season and Christmas with humble expectations, focusing especially on how our Savior humbled Himself. Speaking of that characteristic of humility, I would imagine most of us have had the opportunity to have an encounter with a celebrity, with somebody that's famous or well-known, maybe multiple times throughout your life. Maybe I'm, I'm going out on a limb here, but I'm guessing that if you had multiple encounters with somebody uh, of stature, somebody that the world uh, holds in, in high regard, and somebody that you look up to, probably the encounter that stands out most amongst all of them would be this characteristic humility. That if you meet with this person that you look up to, that you think so highly of, what really stands out is those individuals that actually look to you not as being inferior, not as if they are above you and better than you, but that they come across as very normal people, very approachable, very relatable, and, and they seem to take a genuine interest in you as a human being. And the irony, of course, is not lost on us. This person that we hold up, that we elevate, actually makes a greater impression on us by, by being at our level. Jesus had to humble himself to be at our level. There's no other way a relationship with God would work. A holy, righteous God can't have a relationship with sinful beings like you and me unless he humbles himself, unless he for a time becomes something less because there is no way that we could ever hope to rise up to attain to his level of holiness and righteousness. And we have that made clear to us in the Old Testament. Think of the times that the Lord made himself known when he appeared to his people. What accompanied those appearances? Fear, terror, dread. When God's people were in the presence of God. And rightfully so, because he was holy and righteous and perfect and they knew they were not. 
And so they were faced with that ugly reality, but it is the truth nonetheless today that had God not humbled himself, we would never be able to hope or have any relationship with him whatsoever. Humble expectations. As we consider those humble expectations, we see Jesus in humility ride into Jerusalem. And as you heard once again those details, and song, as we sang the same details in our, our opening hymn this morning, which is why uh, Palm Sunday ties into Advent very nicely, when you saw that, you noticed that, that Jesus wasn't the one that, that hired all of the crowds to come and scream and cheer and make all the fanfare and fuss. Jesus did something. He, he did point out to his disciples that it was necessary for them to go and, and to get the, the foal that he could ride in simply so that Scripture could be fulfilled. But above and beyond that, Jesus did nothing. He didn't hire paid hands to, to publicize his arrival or to make a big deal. That was all of the crowds. When you read the account of, of Luke and he describes that whole entry to us, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. They're the ones that laid out their cloaks and the palm branches. They said, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Jesus didn't order anybody to say that. Jesus didn't order any crowds to praise Him. It just happened. The crowds were the ones who made all the fuss. Can't we fall into the same trap this time of year as well? We've got to make Christmas great, especially this year. Because everything that happened last year, we've got to go big this year so that Christmas really means something. Bigger gifts, regardless of if that means bigger debt on our credit card. Is that really what it's about? Is Jesus most concerned to say, look, if you really want to make the most out of Christmas, you better make sure that you have the flashiest display in your front yard that is the, the envy of all of your neighbors. Does he say that you, you have to have the, the best gifts? That you have to have the, the most beautiful family picture to send out to everybody? Is there any expectation that, that we can actually improve on God taking on flesh and bones and being born into this sinful fallen world to rescue and redeem us? Do we really think that there's anything that we can do, any step that we can take, that is somehow going to make these holidays, holy days, matter any more than what Jesus has already done? In fact, you think of, of last year, I, I don't know about you, but I found it kind of refreshing. Yes, there was disappointment because there were limitations to the things that we could do. Certain traditions that couldn't be carried out. But there was always also something special about it. A slower pace. A, a muted celebration of our Savior's birth. Not all of the, the busyness and the chaos. But simply time to slow down ponder, reflect, to meditate on the real significance of Jesus' birth. So as we enter into this season again this year, the question is, 
Are we going to quickly clamor back for the way things used to be and buy into the devil's lie that the crazy chaos of, of our, our culture and its secular celebration of Christmas is the way to go or that last year was actually quite refreshing and that might just be the better way to prepare and to get ready so that Christmas not only meets but exceeds our expectations. There's a warning that Jesus gave actually right on the heels of the account that is recorded for us in Luke's Gospel. So it's not mentioned in or printed in your service folder, but in the very following verses, listen to the lament that Jesus expresses as he looks over Jerusalem. Luke tells us in verses 41 to 44, As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you and your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Is it a stretch to apply Jesus' concern about Jerusalem during Holy Week to our preparation during the season of Advent? Surely, we're not shocked to see that, that he would look at, at the world and say, just as he did of Jerusalem, that the world, they missed out on the peace because it was hidden for their eyes. How many in the next four weeks are going to completely not only miss out on the peace that Jesus came to bring, but actually, in place of that peace, replace it with, with stress and distress. We know that's the case in the world. Who's not only going to miss out on the peace, but we know why, because just as Jesus said about Jerusalem, the world doesn't recognize the time of God's coming to you, that that is the significance of Christmas. It's God coming to us in the flesh. So the world is robbed of that peace because it doesn't acknowledge, doesn't recognize that Christmas isn't about Santa and gifts, but it's about the gift, Jesus coming to give himself as the greatest gift, a gift of sacrifice for you and me and all people. That lament that Jesus had over Jerusalem that may very well apply to our world today just as poignantly doesn't need to apply to you and me. Let us pause and take in the peace that he came to bring. Peace that is an anchor for our anxiety. Peace that assures us that guilt and sin have been washed away. Peace that, that reminds us that he is our source of restoration and refreshment because it's a peace that comes from the forgiveness that Jesus came into our world to bring. And he could not have done it had he not first humbled himself. Humbled himself to be born in our world, to be under our law, so that he could humbly keep perfectly the law upon which we stumble and fall on a daily basis that he humbled himself 
so that he could suffer death, the death that, that we deserved. And he became less. Not because he had to. Not because he ceased to be God in all of his divine glory. Or not because he couldn't have come to, to clearly show that in a fine display of strength and power and might, the likes of which the world has not seen, but will see on the last day. No, that wasn't because he couldn't do any of those things. But because he chose for you and for me to humble himself. To make less of himself for the least of us, you and me, rebellious sinners to make less of himself, again, so that he could be crucified innocently, to make less of himself so that he could experience and suffer our hell, to become less so that he could give us in return his heaven. None of it could have happened had Jesus not humbled himself. What does your list look like this year? Don't let it get bogged down with so much stuff that quite simply does not matter. Instead, use this season, the weeks ahead, to direct your focus on having a humble expectation which all starts with the one who humbled himself for you. Amen.